Hey everyone, just a heads up, there's going to be some spoilers on Big Little Lies and Mind Management, so if you need to skip ahead, just keep track of the index in our description. Thanks. So I did, I went back to your first, where Jenny's, not yours, Jenny's first post in, um, in a very dark place. It says, view from future mommy's belly. Hashtag no filter. Hashtag can't see shit. <laughs> hashtag how did I get a phone in here? Gotcha. Yep. So she was uh, very creative and also had a potty mouth. At, um... Yep. Yep. I got yep. called out on that uh, like <laughs> one time at work. Um, my coworker came up and was just like, did your daughter just curse on Instagram? I was like, yeah. <laughs> she got bad parents. <laughs> hey everyone, welcome to the Papa Culture Podcast. I'm John, I'm father to Malcolm. And I used to write a whole bunch of bad, sad poetry, but now watch bad, sad TV teen dramas or read really great comic books that I wish I wrote. And I'm Anton. I'm father to Ginny, who's three and a half, going on 18, and Ellis, who just turned nine months old yesterday on uh, July 11th. And I am an aspiring filmmaker with way too many unfinished screenplays just taking up space in my Google Drive. So, John, you and I, we've known each other for like, I don't know, what, 20 years? Yep, it's been 20 years, yeah. Yeah, dude. Um, so, we spend our time on this podcast talking about, you know, kind of all the pop culture that we've loved, we continue to love, or really what we might be breaking up with now that we have kind of new perspective as fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what uh, pop culture is all about. Yep. Or we might just be getting older and telling you how to get off our lawns. How's it going, man? It's going okay. You yeah. Know. Um, really excited for Thrones this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That- it's There aren't a lot of... I think this is the only pop culture thing that I've been anticipating, that I, I really just love and just can't wait to just dive into yeah i've been uh doing a lot of like prep work you know air quotes prep work uh just for the upcoming season yeah so did you have you been watching um all all of the seasons or just like last season i watched uh a couple of episodes from season five and then rewatched all of season six okay do you know, did you watch the episodes from season five just because you know some of those stories are going to be picked up in season seven or just because you needed to catch up or just clarify? Um, Kind of yes and no. I, yeah. uh, I've i been listening to the Binge Mode podcast from The Ringer and they've, oh, right. they've been going through basically every, they rewatched every single episode. And I just happened to listen to a few episodes from season five that 
uh, and these pods had some really good insight. And, um, you know, it covered some plot points and scenes that I had kind of forgotten. So it was cool to just kind of go back and and re-experience it all. Nice. But what about you? What's up? What's going on? Hung and I just watched um, or binged uh, Big Little Lies. Ooh. Yeah. So we, we pretty much finished it in two days. Awesome. Two or three days. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was cool. It was a lot more intense and a lot more uh, uncomfortable than I thought it was after I watched the first episode. Right? Yeah, because um, the the violence, well, not the general violence, but the the domestic violence and the rape stuff is just. It, it, I mean, it, it's. I think it's meant to make us uncomfortable, and was telling me that she read some articles where Nicole Kidman said that she really had to uh, process and had to recover from playing that role because it was physically and emotionally horrible for her (laughs) as an actress. Um, And it obviously made me feel what it was supposed to feel. Um, But yeah, I thought the, the series was fun in in the sense of like the the mysteries and they had some humor in it i really liked the representations of all the different stories and the different the 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 layers of all the the main characters the particularly the women yeah it's weird because it from the previews and even from the first episode from the pilot it almost appears that these female characters are kind of just caricatures of mm-hmm. what, what you'd expect. And then they're so really well formed and the relationships between them were really done so well. And, you know, even cinematically what yep. they were doing um, to kind of, uh, kind of lay the bread breadcrumbs out and doing mm-hmm. slow reveals um, as as you go through, what I also found uh, amusing, being able to binge it within a couple of days, is catching all the references to the the idioms about death. Like, oh, whoever if I find out whoever scratched my car, I'm going to kill them. You know, when we say that, we don't really mean it. But they threw those little things in in a, a lot in all the episodes especially the pilot, which I thought was funny because you knew someone had died, right? And right. You, you don't know when, who did it or and who died. So I thought that was a fun kind of thing for them to do in, in like kind of a micro writing perspective. Yeah, you know, that's those are the things that you do miss when you kind of go week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably watch it again and just mm-hmm. kind of go through and you get to see those things. Yeah, I think there's a lot more. There's a lot more clues. the The cool thing about the storylines with mysteries is if you talk to somebody else that's watched it, and you actually have to go back in your own memory, or if you want to watch it again, just trying to put together the clues for the red herrings. Right. And so one of them, again, spoiler alert. Um, you know, there's a the one of the lead detectives that's uh, investigating the murder. Yeah. And there's various shots 
throughout the season where you, you see her investigating the side of the road, which, you know, in highway one here in California, where, in, in, where, where the, the movie or the series was set, it's basically high cliffs. And then you can walk down to beaches and stuff. Right. 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 So there's a few scenes or multiple scenes where you see her investigating the side of a road. Right. And then there's a few allusions to a possible death on the beach or death over a cliff, um, either through the Jane character or some other things. Right. So one of the, one of the main red herrings is that you thought somebody got shot and thrown over a cliff. Well, at least that's what I was thinking, right? Mm, yeah. And then I realized that afterwards, did you think that too? No, not, I mean, not okay. really. I, to be honest, I wasn't really thinking about, I knew someone had died, but mm-hmm. I think I was more caught up with, with who rather than the how. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't actually. I was trying to figure out who, and I figured it was going to be one of the women. Um, yeah, and they, even like they definitely oh, they definitely made it seem like it was going to be one of the women, right? Spoiler, and even <laughs> well, spoiler again. Hopefully, you're not listening to this if you wanted to watch it, but um, at least you're skipping through it. The the. I think in episode five or episode six, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I wish the this husband would die <laughs> rather than one of the women, right? And then, because I was like dead set on dead set. I was dead set on thinking that I was going to be one of the, the main three, four women. Right. And so back to the detective, what I realized afterwards, after the this show ended, was that when the detective was investigating the side of the road, I think it's what it, that was like present time, right? Because everything else was in past, te- like basically a flashback. Yeah. Main story was the flashback, right? Right. And um, what that was showing was the detective investigating all of the moms on the beach with the kids at the end of the series. Oh. Yeah. Instead of her investigating a potential murder scene interesting or a crime scene yeah i did not like kind of the end of that though mm-hmm. um i mean i think i was reading how maybe the producers or someone or the studio hbo were like hey let's just kind of leave it open for like a season two or something like that but then the director yeah. had gone out and said like yeah they they had meant to shoot it that way but they hope that the director himself or uh kind of hopes that they don't because yeah yeah yeah. you know they they don't need to yeah (laughs) i mean yeah they for the story they don't need to yeah they don't need to and what more are you going to learn from these characters yeah yeah the the funny thing, um, the other thing afterwards when I was reading some articles about the show, about the ending that some people didn't like was how how unexpected it was that Bonnie was the one that ended up essentially killing, um, what's his face, the um, that husband. Yeah. 
but I'm like, I was thinking, I'm like, I don't know what really there. For me, there's like, I don't see any in, in that in that scene. I know she's like the hippie and she's like the yoga person and she's like the most um, calm person or more zen, right? Right. But like in that scene, when some dude is beating up on three women, I don't see any reason why she wouldn't try to stop it. It's not like she ran there and grabbed him and threw him over the stairs, right? And they're her friends too, right? Like, right, right. I, I did read somewhere, I think, and don't quote me on this. I'll have to mm-hmm. maybe Google this and confirm after, but I think in the book, there, it was clear that Bonnie had also experienced some sort of... Um, Relationship sexual, violence? Yeah, yeah, relationship uh, violence, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe that just didn't make it into yeah. the, the script or whatever. Right. But yeah, that was fun, man. I did not expect to like Big Little Lies as much um, as I did. Uh, it was mm-hmm. it was a nice, like, really tight story. Um, and, like, shouts to all those... Man, the planes are off the hook right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, shouts to like Reese Witherspoon and and putting together that cast. Mm-hmm. And you were mentioning Nicole Kidman being just wrecked after that role. I I wonder what it's like for uh, Alexander uh, Skarsgård, who plays mm-hmm. the husband, right? Because um, that can't be. That can't be fun to carry. No. You know? No, no. Um, yeah. Know, it, it's yeah. it's really weird. Like, I have a huge feeling that my reaction to Big Little Lies is totally different now that I'm a dad. Uh, and if I, you know, if I imagined watching this, if I wasn't a father or if this came out, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, and just kind of, I think my reaction to it would be very, would be different. Yeah. Why do you think, or how, how, how would it be different? Do you think? Well, because, you know, all these characters are parents mm-hmm. and, you know, Alexander Skarsgård's character, like on the surface, he's like a cool dad. Right, right. Plays with his kids, like loves his kids, and um, you know, and and actually, all the dads are have their own kind of coolness about them. Like Adam Scott is like a stepdad, so he mm-hmm. seems like um, wait, is he Adam Scott's the younger daughter was Adam Scott's kid, right? Or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The younger one was yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but not the yeah, the older one was yeah. You know, so you see, like, fatherhood, you know, the different... You Obviously, you see these women and how they are as mothers, but you also get a glimpse on how these... The husbands and how they are as dads, too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's not, like, the, the huge plot point, but you do see that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, like, when you don't have a kid... 
I think you don't really clue in to your responsibilities of fatherhood mm-hmm. and and what you're seeing on screen. Right. You know? Yeah. No, I I, I agree because I, I think one of the reasons, another one of the reasons why the, the show was interesting initially, other than, you know, some of the humor in the writing was that it was from there was parent dynamics there and there was a uh, partner dynamics too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And everything really was a lot of the motiv- motivations essentially were, were based off of the children, what the parents were making decisions about regarding the children. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I, I would agree that I, if I was, if I watched this, before Malcolm, um, I wouldn't be able to internalize some of the things as, um, or I wouldn't be able to actually even just process some of the decision-making like, you know, aside from the, aside from the mystery, aside from, um, some other things, but just seeing how there's like school and classmate drama right? right. (laughs) and how some of the parents, uh, reacted weird. And, you know, I actually had to spend some time processing it with myself about like, Laura Dern's character is like, is she really? She's not a villain. And even you know when she was complaining, she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to be the villain because I'm the businesswoman and right. I, um, what, whatever, right? Yeah. But her reactions to, um, the whole bullying at the school, even though we're supposed to be sympathetic to, um, Ziggy and right. Jane, yeah. And we're supposed to be. Irked, I think we're supposed to be irked by Laura Dern's character, but in retrospect, it's like, well, any parent would probably be reacting like that, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's why that scene where Shailene Woodley's character visits Laura Dern's character at her house, mm-hmm. and they had that like face to face after all this conflict that yeah. happened with other adults around. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really love that scene. Um, mm-hmm. For both their characters, yeah. Because by then, like Shailene Woodley's character Jane, she was like really pushed to the edge. She, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, just kind of seeing both, like even seeing Laura Dern's character's like vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, and how she just basically just dropped her that uh, that. Her, dropped her defenses when when Jane came up and they had that little heart to heart. That was that was pretty tight. Mm-hmm. There was uh, yeah. there's one scene that I've wanted to talk about with someone ever since I saw it, mm-hmm. but it was the the very first time that uh, Nicole Kidman's character and Alexander Skarsgård's character go to the. Uh, a psychiatrist, therapist. the therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, but like the light that was coming through mm-hmm. was coming from, it was like sunlight coming from the window. Right. But it was hitting a prism. So the light being cast on their faces uh, at that time were all the, the basically the spectrum of light. Mm-hmm. So I immediately thought that like every time they're there, you're supposed to see all the different layers of all these, of those two characters. Hmm. 
Oh, that's a nice catch. I didn't notice that. I'm not quite sure if they did it. I don't think they did it for every single time they were there. Yeah. yeah. But it was very like I caught it that very first time. Mm-hmm. And then and I was obviously like, intentional, yeah. Yeah, it was intentional and and I understood exactly what they were, what the the director or the cinematographer was trying to do and I was like, "Holy shit. Who can I talk to about this?" Like no one had seen it. I didn't want to like spoil it for anyone. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, and all the people that I would normally talk to about it, you know, like mm-hmm. But that's what this podcast is for, so I could tell you, yep. fool. <laughs> that's cool, man. That's a good. I, I love um, those little, little kind of things that creators do to add a little bit of depth to things. Um, and it's cool that you caught that. Yeah, I loved it, dude. I was, I just, I just watched that scene, and I was like, oh, dude, that is awesome. You know, and sometimes you're you get so caught up in the story and in the acting that you do you do get to miss it. Yeah, or you do miss it sometimes. But for yeah. that moment, I caught it, and I was after that. I was like, all right, I'm in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was already in, but even all more. It. All right, cool. You want to go through some other updates? Actually, I um, it'd be cool to if you want to dive into uh, mind management right now. All uh, right, so. I bailed on it pretty yeah. pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Why is that? I don't know if if this is a uh, something with the medium, mm-hmm. but really stilted dialogue just bugs me. What's stilted dialogue? Stilted dialogue is just like um, kind of the issues that I had with that we've talked about before with like Walking Dead, where mm-hmm. um, it's all exposition. Pe- yeah, pe- uh, people are explaining how they're feeling. Yeah, you know, uh, directly mm-hmm. through like a. I mean, it's one thing if it's a thought bubble, but if it's like a a speech bubble, mm-hmm. just make it a thought bubble for me. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. Um, right. Right. So, and I know that this is probably an issue with comic books in general that that does tend to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, well, and I don't know. I just it just didn't grab me fast enough for. Yeah. Like, there was a kind of very quickly. I understood, you know, kind of the this protagonist this particular protagonist like what the what her goals were and things like that and then it just went into this crazy chase scene yeah and it just kept going yeah and going and i'm like mm, okay i'm out yeah um but you know i mean that's what you get when you just kind of go to the library and <laughs> pick out some stuff that like oh it's cool um well, it's critically acclaimed, so I mean, but you know, I, I would definitely think that both with visually and the writing style, it could be a little. It's not going to be consumable for a lot of the reading public, whether you like comic books or not. 
because it is a it is a um, it's not something that you can easily jump into unless you're looking for that thing you know like unless you are into matt kent's kind of writing okay unless you're into that and i, I can't speak about matt kent's writing because i haven't read too much of his other things but i could see what he's doing from um from just see- seeing some of his other work at least from a distance huh okay um so I, I decided to read it too so since you brought it up last time i, I oh i mentioned this earlier that i dug around and did find it in some of the books that i bought in the past um so i was fortunate for that that gave me a reason to read that i also had some struggles with it it, it the first I, and i actually started with issue zero which i think might have come out after issue one okay issue zero might have come out as like it possibly could have been a free comic book or something um so it was extra backstory and i think it was you know i'm not sure if it was super useful or not sometimes extra extra content isn't really it doesn't really add to me to the story for me or the experience for me hmm, okay and then these these I, i'm not, i'm not sure if it came up in the volume but it had each issue had about like two extra mini side stories one in black and white one about a specific person in the mind management program um so i'm not sure if you had it in the in the collected edition but i ended up not reading those after the third issue because i was like i don't really feel like this is adding anything for me because i wanted to be i wanted i wanted to stay in the main plot um so the thing that I did appreciate about it was um, the art, which can be, it, it's not traditional comic book art, right? It's um, a little scratchy. It's a little, it seems rushed, but you could tell it's not rushed. <laughs> um, I really appreciated the art style after a while. Um, the watercolors and yeah, and I didn't the way didn't, that the inks were used. For sure, I didn't have any beef with that, and I I enjoyed it, that that aspect of it. Yeah, and I could, and I I like the. I guess I like the main plot or the main mythos of the of the story. Uh huh. But I could definitely agree with you about it starting out really slowly and then it definitely did take a you know very sharp turn once it moved from this weird amnesia and the writers like totally lost and trying to figure out what's going on kind of thing yeah to the chase scene with the immortals sorry spoilers whatever we'll put it on the um index (laughs) what we talk about wait on episode on like issue number one or whatever so yeah it's fine right and then um well and then i think there's another issue that i i read it i'm like oh this this kind of took another sharp turn but you bailed even before <laughs> the whole explanation piece basically like the last three issues is the the person that the 
protagonist Mara was trying to find. She finds him. Um, and basically the last three ep- issues of the first volume is him just explaining what happened. <laughs> I think That's... I got to... wait, I got I think I got to the point where she found They're her. on they're on the boat. You got yeah, that part? I think so. Well yeah, they lasted for three issues. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And and well, I, I'm yeah. I mean I Again, I should I probably should have just pushed through, but you know, there there's one thing when you're explaining what happens. If it's just them two on the boat and that's all your that's all the panels are showing, then mm-hmm. that would kind of suck. It well, so it wasn't them on the boat. It was it, it was go, them it cuts on, into like a does it cut into like a flashback? It basically yeah, all of them were were mainly flashbacks. Okay, um, well that's 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 cool. Um, it. it I guess because then it was just a lot of explaining of um, what was going on, and then I don't really feel like people got. I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like the story got very far. And if I bought those per month, I probably would have been really frustrated with the story. Gotcha. Um, but I definitely don't really feel the appeal to read the next volume. Um. Cause I, yeah, I'm okay with some some abstract things, but at some point, um, yeah, it's it's sometimes it just sometimes it just turns me off because um, I'm looking for more linear character building of things or like concept building, and I guess it was getting to that, but then I feel like it it did get there a little bit too late for me. Gotcha. Um, but I could see other people loving it, so. It's just not really my what I'd be into if I was reading that monthly. I'd be curious to get any recommendations from you, and I'll probably mm-hmm. open this up to either on Twitter and Facebook on the Facebook page as well for um, knowing what I don't like mm-hmm. in terms of how graphic novels are written. Are there any writers or books that you would recommend? Like I did say that I enjoyed Watchmen, but I think that's more mm-hmm. concept. Uh, that's that was in terms of like concept, and that yeah. was also years ago. But yeah, yeah, I was I was, I was thinking about that because I, I I don't like I. There is a limitation with comic books where obviously they have to do a little bit of extra explaining. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there are writers out there that do a better job handle, of it. Yeah. Better job of like managing that. And it could, then you can see some other writers who are cool are probably playwrights or um, TV writers that write in the emotional exposition because they're used to having it done by humans. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, um, right. Uh, I'm trying to think who I, re- I mean, I, I've mentioned some of the, my favorite writers and I think, I feel like Tom King is really judicious about his writing, about his um, dialogue. Part, particularly why I really enjoy him is that, 
Okay, I'll look the way that he. Yeah, you've mentioned him a few times, so I'll yeah. uh, I'll keep tabs on him, and that's my homework. Yeah, um, Sheriff of Babylon is uh, one of the things he's known for, and the the two vision stories, um, which is a comic book story. I mean, it's a comic. It's sorry, a superhero story, but it's not really a superhero story. Um, that's those are two definitely I would just jump into. Um, I would suggest the vision first, just because I, I particularly just really enjoyed it. Um, from okay, yeah, from an impact level, and there is a it is a family story. Well, um, e- even if you don't, if you're not, even if you're not familiar with that character. I mean, obviously I've seen Avengers and kind of, you know, generally what he does, but even if you're going in cold without any real knowledge of what this superhero does or, Mm -hmm. okay, cool. Yeah, no, I don't know. I I barely know anything about the vision. And so like, if this was like an independent book and you just removed the Marvel properties from it and it was like, um, robot man then it would have been <laughs> just as just as impactful okay. or impacting okay. okay okay i forgot to follow up with you on it last week Bert, when we were talking about father's day two episodes ago i was joking that you were gonna um well you were i was joking about it and you joked about it that you're probably gonna end up helping create your own father's day card yes did you end up doing that yes all right <laughs> did you <laughs> Did you make the best card ever? <laughs> it was it was a cute card. No, it was um it was part of uh, Ginny's school project. So mm-hmm. with, you know she's in kind of a preschool a summer preschool program two days a week two hours. So you know yeah. the first hours the first thirty minutes is just playing with toys. The next then the next hour is um or the next forty five minutes is basically classroom time, and then um the last is uh like an art project so this was the art project so everyone made the same thing mm-hmm. and it was like uh with fish it was a card and i uh i think there was a fish on it and then the 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 copy inside was like dear dad you are officially awesome or something <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It was hard to open after it was done because Jeannie overglues. She needs to work on that um, <laughs> on that Elmer's Elmer's glue control. Mm-hmm. You know, put doing the the dots too close to the corner, so when you squish it, it just like squeezes out. Oh yeah, she needs to work on her glue game for sure. <laughs> She's getting she better. really She's getting better. Um, creation though. Wait, say again. Was she crap? Was she proud of her creation? Yeah, I guess so. I think so. Um, she's pretty. She's pretty chill. Yeah, she's pretty chill. Yeah. Okay. Um, or she has. Right. She has been pretty chill at at school. I think there was this one giraffe that she made one day um, with like some construction paper, like a cutout of construction paper and some clothespins. And I think she was mostly into that. She was yeah. pretty proud of that one. But that was a, that's a, that, that one was a good project. Yeah. 
It's clever. Do you display her stuff? Uh, this is a bad dad alert. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. I don't, you know, I think we're, uh, we're, 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 we're exploring the different, um, decisions on, on the art stuff. Yeah. I mean, we don't know where to put it really. There's no space. Um, Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the other things, as the quick things, one we we have new intro music. Oh yeah. Um, and so I want to thank my cousin Carlo, aka Shift MC, for for donating to us one of his beats that he's been working on. Shouts, um, shouts to Carlo, and shouts to the artisans for um, letting us steal your track for. Yeah. six episodes well i didn't i didn't steal it i actually was using it under the um the creative commons license that was attributed to or like that's the, true um, we did attribute it it wasn't stealing it was yeah, um for that we graciously donating your the thing is like your work the issue is that it, where depending on where you find it there's there's conflicting information about or not yet but like with various songs there's conflicting information about who can use it and if it is actually common. Right. Yeah. Com- creative commons or whatever. So it's all good. We're doing things legit. All right. So one last thing for updates. I don't know. Did you get a chance to listen to the four, four, four? Um, I did. The album. Yeah. I mean, I just did one quick pass while I was feeding Ellis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the re- oh, so one thing w- there's a couple of reasons why I want to bring it up and uh, then you can talk about your reactions sure, to it. Sure. One is that um, last time we talked about this nebulous bad term called dad rap. Right. And this came out a week after, and I was listening to like I was seeing some of the lyrics before I listened to it. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of what we're I was talking about. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I wanted to do that. I wanted to definitely listen to it from that perspective. And then the other reason is that. On Twitter today, I put out a poll to see what people wanted us to talk about as a small topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I put this up and some other things, including trying to unsmell baby poo. I didn't get any votes except for me, but th- this is the one that won out of the few votes. So I think we're going to, we'll probably do some more polls throughout the, at, on our recording days to see if anyone else wants to yeah that sounds fun. folks on. yeah so that's I, I definitely wanted to follow up on that to make sure that the folks that did vote um that we're doing them solid by actually talking about what they voted on all right so what, what were you thinking about it or what was your response to I'll, it i'll preface this by saying the last full jay-z album i think i listened to all the way through was the gray album, which was the the uh, mm-hmm. Danger Mouse and and Jay Z like uh, a mashup album, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean that isn't even really a legit oh. Jay Z album, but it was dope. Yeah, but that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was kind of into it. I have to say, uh, I thought that for the most part the beats were pretty on point. Um, 
especially with whatever is current, what's popular now in rap and hip hop, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's nice to kind of hear some really well produced beats. Or be- uh, I don't want to kind of just categorize well produced. You know, mm-hmm. or I don't want to use that term, but beats that I kind of like. It there were some tracks that kind of reminded me of um early Kanye produced mm-hmm. tracks, you know, mm-hmm. like from uh kind of like a like the the R and B sampling. Yeah the the, R&B. the chopping up and speeding up of it. Yeah, there was some there's definitely that. Um and just the, just the sound, yeah, the the, the like yeah. The, the soulful sound. Um, I didn't really get to pay much attention to the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I know that the tracks that I liked, "Story of OJ" was pretty dope. Mm-hmm. "Caught in Their Eyes" was pretty dope. Um, I was listening to "Family Feud" and I heard some. Uh, there were some bars in there that were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's cool to hear the sister Nancy sampled again and again and again. So I ain't mad at uh, the 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 bomb track. Mm-hmm. I I'll definitely listen to it again. I yeah, I, I liked it so far. Okay, I don't know what I, I don't know what Twitter says about it. It, it was, it, it, there was a lot of buzz with it. There was a lot of uh, like that Friday when it was released, only to title existing members and folks that were on Sprint, um, and maybe some folks got you know got special access to it, like Kendrick Lamar, because he was glowing about it. Um, there was a lot of positive buzz about it. Um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of positive buzz in, in, in the, the Twitter world that I, that I sit in. And that's a lot of like, um, there's some hip hop folks. There's, and there's a lot of, uh, creative folks, um, creative folks of color so um there was a little bit of a a really like genuine enthusiastic vibe with it so i was like okay i need to listen because i yeah i've been here there with i've loved a lot of jay-z stuff right Mm -hmm. um but i didn't really care to listen to magna carta holy grail and I listened to it the other day and I was like, um, this is the reason why I don't want to listen to this. Um, <laughs> I didn't really listen to watch the Thrones because I really can't stand Kanye, um, rapping. Right. Um, and so I listened, I tried to listen to some of that and I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't really feel like listening to this anymore. <laughs> so this is definitely a, a different turn, a more positive turn in terms of my sensibilities in terms of here, like content wise and listening. Yeah. Um, cause the thing that struck people with this was that, you know, it's probably one, one of his more personal vulnerable albums. Cause a lot of it is like, he'll throw in some pieces about his mom, throw in some pieces, a little bit about other things, but there's a lot of, um, 
the persona of Jay Z, right? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what he addressed in the first song with "Kill Kill Jay Z." Yeah. So I, I definitely like more personal, introspective stories. Um, and so a lot of this, par- partially a lot of it that was interesting too, is obviously some of his references to being a dad, especially since they had twins, right? Recently. Yeah, right. And so, yeah, his dad experiences obviously can be way different from mine, but it's still interesting to hear from that perspective from, from a podcast talking point, which we had last time, but also just for me being a, an aging hip hop fan. Right. Yeah. And yeah, the, the beats were definitely welcome. Uh, do you know much about the producer, the main producer? No. All right. So no ID is his name, right? He, he is probably best known for, he's the one who produced, I used to love her, the beat for, I used to love her. Okay. Common. Oh yeah. Common sense. Yeah. Yeah. So he's from Chicago and he worked again with common on a few of his more recent CDs after common was doing a lot with like Jay's with uh, Kanye and the roots. Yeah. So he's from Chicago too. And that's probably a little bit why there's a little bit of a, a a little bit of a sound connection to Kanye since, you know, there's regionally people are going to have some similarities, but yeah, that's, that's, that's who the Jay-Z picked out to, to write this, album with and i didn't read too much about it but i was reading maybe in in blurbs how he was asking jay-z to get more personal more vulnerable with the songs oh Um, interesting so i think from a creative standpoint that was pretty cool to learn about i think my favorite ones was kill jay-z i like caught their eyes i really like smile um content wise i think i like that i think i like smile too yeah, so the the big thing with Smile is that that's the the song that his mom essentially came out to in public, because there's a poem at the end that she's re, you know because um, Jay Z's talking about her her life being lesbian and having to hide it and all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And at the end, the poem that's being read is Jay Z's mom. Oh, um, yeah, but that's not the the main. That's not the only reason I like that. I think. I believe it's that song, but there's a song in um, here where I think he, cause he, he made reference to being able to record whole albums without a pen saying that he basically was, he could either memorize his rhymes or come off the top. Right. Uh-huh. And there's a verse in here where I'm like, I think he's freestyling because the way that he's putting together some of the, the, the connections, it's that whole stream of conscious. Yeah thing which i think he he might have done on some other tracks and some other um cds but i i didn't catch that until the second or third listen and i'm like oh this this is a crazy (laughs) this is a crazy verse all right so i have a question for you was there media that showed parenting that you thought about after you had Ginny come into your life and you're like, oh, that was pretty legit? You know, there's there's one, I think, aspect that that I can kind of relate to is, mm-hmm. you know, the the trope 
of the father who works so hard to make sure that the family is provided for, mm-hmm. um, but it's never there. Mm-hmm. Like I can see the logic in in a in a father's mind to kind of to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, you I I can see like how that could motivate a father to just want to work. You know, because all 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 it's it's always like, oh, dad's not around. He's always working. Blah 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 blah. Doesn't really love the kid. Do you ever right. see a hum? That's basically the the plot for Train to Busan. If you saw that on Netflix, oh, yeah, not yet. I've been wanting to. You should check that out. Um, but I I could see that, and I don't know. Maybe it's because we're minorities, and particularly on the Asian side, where that's kind of ingrained to be the provider, mm-hmm. um, actually for for the household and and things like that. Right. You know, um, right. You know, and maybe I can see that because, or, or maybe that resonates with me because I'm not working a ton and kind of having to go through, you know, the, the challenge of like, okay. Uh, you know, having to go through the struggle of not being able to contribute to the household income like I used to be able to before. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, you know, I not that I necessarily agree with like oh the fact that the father has to provide or whatever, mm-hmm. but I think that's a trope that I can understand that motivation. I think is what mm-hmm. I think is what I'm saying. Yeah, you touched on it. But that's kind of what if that's what you see, and that's what you if if the definition of a father is to be that breadwinner. I mean, I definitely don't think that's what yeah. the definition of a father is. Right. At right. all. At all. Yeah. Uh, sorry, not you. Yeah. Yeah. But. A person could think, I mean, if that's what they grew up with and yeah, and they didn't have any other examples to, or other, yeah, other examples to choose from, like if they wanted to, if they wanted to be a different kind of father, fatherly presence or whatever, um, or fatherly role, then yeah, it would be it'd be natural, right, for them to think, okay, the, the thing that I should be doing is have a house over our heads and food and be the number one and make sure my kids are safe. Yeah. Well, and there's also to to kind of add to that and to you know add to this trope is that the father who always says, oh, I'm doing this so you could have something better than what I had, or, you know, you can grow up with a better life than I had, or this and that, and this and that, and this and that. Um, I mean, 
that's how that's how a lot of fathers are portrayed in 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 the media right yeah um and that's usually the cause of conflict between uh a father and their ungrateful child <laughs> ungrateful teenager right 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 um um, I'm trying to figure out an example of, of like what would be bullshit though. Yeah. And maybe it's not so much, maybe BS was too, was too harsh of a term. You're just saying just something that's misrepresented or. Yeah. Or, or like just obvious gaps in, in, in the reality of. Yeah. Of fatherhood. Yeah. And, and I guess from that perspective, it's like the, the, the big gap of being a new father. Cause um, you know, obviously nothing, everything is new when you're a new father, huh? right? It's part of the term, but, um, I've learned so much already in the past 10 months of Malcolm being here, plus the, the months of him being pregnant. Um, but, you know, obviously a lot of that stuff, it's not, it's not really like glamorous, so it's not going to be in TV shows and stuff like that, but I don't know if like everything... Uh, there's certain things that we that doesn't get picked up that um whether in media or even like in like social media that that encompasses a lot of what people are experiencing or could be experiencing their first year whether it's good or bad there's again i don't know if this is necessarily answering the question but there's something that i experience actually quite a bit um, when I'm, especially when, when Ginny was younger, like when we, when we first moved back to the Bay, um, a couple years ago and Ginny was about a year and a half and, um, I would take Ginny to the park like almost every day mm-hmm. and seeing the other parents and grandparents, look at me and automatically asking me, Oh, so you're off today. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, know, with the assumption that I'm just taking a day off as opposed to me being the primary caregiver. Mm. Um, so I guess traditionally it's, there's a stay at home mom. Right. Right. But there aren't really too many stay at home dads unless you're watching parenthood. Mm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think parenthood's one of the only prominent stay at home dads. Mm-hmm. Uh Oh, baby. Yep. Stand by. Oh my God, when's the guy gonna sleep through the night? <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, you know what? I will say, um, I think Atlanta does a pretty good job hmm. uh, of showing certain parts of fatherhood. Uh, particularly with regard to 
like Donald Glover's character's motivation to to his hustle. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a really great scene, I think, in the pilot um, where he's he's trying to hustle and he's taking care of his maybe three-year-old daughter, four-year-old daughter, and they're on the bus and it's just like this tender moment um, with him and his daughter where he's, where Donald Glover is like thinking about his responsibility as a dad or to his daughter and how he's going to kind of make things happen for himself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, it's, you know, the fatherhood isn't a big part of that show necessarily, but there are certainly some moments that um, are pretty cool mm-hmm. and feel real. Right. And not like a character caricature of, you know, being a dad or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question though. I, I'll think about it a little bit more and then maybe the next pod we can, mm-hmm. we can go through some of our updates, but yeah, I kind of, I, I want to think, I, I was trying to think about I mean, as a topic at some point, like looking at a silly kind of thing about listing, not ranking, but listing dope, like TV dads or, you know, fictional dads. Yeah. Yeah. And now that would be fun. Kinda, that would be fun. Yeah. It kind of reminds me now of like another reason to reread the To Kill a Mockingbird because that's actually one of the books I did read in high school, although we read it in class. Um, <laughs> and then Atticus Finch in that in that book is is a highly regarded character in terms of morality and stuff and I, I may have a different lens on it now not that I, uh, he would not be as highly moral or a uh, representative of like some superhero kind of thing but um yeah i, I it reminds me that i, I should read it again because i've been wanting to read it again i don't think i've yeah. read that okay. i don't think that yeah that wasn't a book that was in any of my curricula yeah i read in freshman year but we like i said we read it in class and for most of the books that i would read in high school most of the books i did read in high school were read in class in class (laughs) yeah or else i didn't read them so there's a ton of classics that i haven't read because i was just i've been a bad reader (laughs) i'm a pretty bad reader too yeah that's always been a challenge well i mean i i don't want to say i'm a bad reader i would say that i can read (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes i I can read fairly quickly but i think my comprehension is uh flighty at best oh yeah you know what i'm saying like you know i'll i'll remember you know i tore through those well no i didn't tear through them but i slogged through most of the game of thrones books and i enjoyed them Mm -hmm. but there would be times where a few chapters later i'm like wait what what happened again or right and once that book is over and done with 
you know, I forgot. And that's why, uh, that's why the ringer binge mode podcast has been so great because it talks about the show and, uh, kind of the book stuff too, Mm -hmm. you know, includes book spoilers. And I'm like, wait, Mm -hmm. that wasn't the books. You know, it's, it's so weird. And I was like, uh, but you know, when each book's like a thousand pages, dude, like a lot of that stuff slips through the cracks. Right. Um, yeah. I made this huge mistake. Like, I think it was last summer. I was really, for some reason, into World War One, So I was like <laughs> on Wikipedia, like reading a bunch of stuff. And I was, um, I found this really yeah. cool YouTube channel. Um, it's called like The Great War. It's actually a really dope YouTube channel because what they did was mm-hmm. on the on the um centennial they would release a video every week that talked about what happened that week 100 years ago mm-hmm. during world war 1 mm-hmm. um and it would go through the through the entire war mm-hmm. and i was like hey that's pretty cool so i started watching that and i was kind of getting into it and then I ended up uh, listening to this podcast called Hardcore History mm. um, with Dan Carlin. And he has like this, uh, I think it's probably like a six-part episode on World War, or six-episode um, megapod about World War One. And I was listening I was listening to that, and I got into it. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go to the library and read one of these like World War One reference books. And it was like thousand pages, twelve hundred pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. I started reading it, and then like two days later, I returned it to the library because I'm like, nah, man, <laughs> not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. I'm just gonna watch this. I thought I was hardcore. I was like, nah, I'm not hardcore at all. So I saw you posted it on Facebook some pictures of Ellis uh, basically revolting against the whole photo. Mm-hmm. Taking process of his nine months, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you said that that album is going to collect some other pictures of the two kids and not in their cute, well, not in their smiley, engaging, performing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, times and it's going to be maybe show some more of the tears, show some of the challenging times. And it got me thinking, because I was thinking about the misrepresentation sometimes is that even on social media within our friends and ourselves, that this is obviously, it's it's on purpose, right? So it's intentional what we want to represent, what we want to show. Yeah. Right. But we're not necessarily seeing like, Everyone, not that we. Everyone's all smiles, parents. Right. Yeah. Right. And we're not necessarily seeing like diaper rashes or uh right this is what this baby looks like after it's eaten some peanuts or you know like right we're not necessarily going to see all those bad things um but it brought me back to this, one of my former uh co-workers who was i i used to joke that he was a a luddite because he wasn't really into a lot of technology things <laughs> he wasn't into facebook and particularly the reason why he isn't into like social media was that what I just said is that he felt that it was very disingenuous yeah. because people were pretty much 
you're not keeping up with your friends. You're keeping up with your friend's image of themselves that sure. they want to present, right? Fair, and I don't think fair. that's necessarily that's I don't think that's totally true, right? Because then we it is with, for some people, the, I'm sure. It definitely is for some people, but I think for the people that we're closest to, we know the real, right? Yeah, we yeah, know yeah, like yeah. we know the struggles that some folks are going through. We know that we know their kids that we love them ninety nine. Well, we love them one hundred percent of the time, but not their behavior <laughs> all the time. Sixty um, percent of the time, let's be, yeah. Let's but be you know, <laughs> but you know, they're kids, so they're, they're yeah, picking whatever. it up. So. Yeah, whatever. So that, that kind of that's the main thing that I was just thinking about. Why why I was asking about that in terms of the media piece and social media kind of being part of that. Um, where sometimes I would, I think I mentioned this before, but I I, I was joking with Hung during the first few weeks of um, Malcolm being around like you guys didn't tell us this is gonna be this hard (laughs) all your damn kids are just cute and you know we heard them cry but it wasn't like this kind of crying um so and obviously i wasn't being serious but spawned this question do you want to talk a little bit why why you want to do that like why i do like, why you've decided to c- collect uh, or curate a an album of the um, the less enjoyable moments? <laughs> well, to be real, on the real, 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 it's really just to be funny, to kind of troll, yes, like, to troll my is. to troll my kids. Really, um, you know, there's a, there's a part of it that is like, you know, I'm conscious of the fact that people post the the really great moments in life with your families or whatever. Like it's right. the, the best lighting and, you know, everyone's made up and, but, you know, as you know, as parents, it's like, it's a lot of times that things are just ugly. You got like barf yeah. on your shirt all day long or whatever. Um, right. But no, I mean, I think it's, it's for jokes. It's to, a part of it is image as well and to kind of say that hey like we don't we don't take ourselves too seriously like mm-hmm. um and it's fucking funny man you know like yeah, when you see like is. a baby crying and it's like it's like what are you crying about man like right. all you want is like milk you know right it's especially in those situations where you know it's just they they really have no other way to say what they want to say so it's just immediate and, I'm just uh, gonna go. To, I'm gonna go to tears. And then, like, I found a really funny hashtag, like the hashtag asshole parents. <laughs> that one is hella funny, dude. It's just, it's basically photos of parents just trolling their kids. Yeah. I mean, that's funny, man. I, 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 I just yeah. love it. I mean, that's that's kind of the point, and you know, and there is you know some cuteness when when there's like a kid melting down, you know, it's, it's not, it's not fun when it happens, but more than sometimes it happens and it's, right. it's fun. Like being a parent isn't just the, the happy times as you know, as all parents mm-hmm. know, it's funny though, man. Yeah. I, can't, no, uh... I can't wait to like when, when Ginny grows up, I mean, even now she's three and a half, right? So we'll go look back at all these old Instagram posts where she's crying and I'll be like, look who's that? <laughs> why, why are you crying? And then she's yeah. like, no, she's laughing. She's like, yeah. 
It's like, oh, that's <laughs> me. I'm crying, you know. Yeah. No, I, I, I would agree with you. But Hung's taking a lot of videos, and she does a lot of live videos when Malcolm's in the car seat, and he's just, like, not having it. <laughs> and it's like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, at some point, we can give a bottle. We could give... um something like this you know and try and then at some point if they there's nothing we can do it's just that's that's it <laughs> um by the way i hear some crying yeah he's nursing right now i think oh, okay um i think he's got a fever i think he's his top two teeth are coming in so yeah he had like a pretty bad fever oh shoot um, but you know let, let me let me check on this real quick i might have to give some medicine So where were we? Uh, we were talking about Jenny's. Um, well, Charling the- kids. Charling kids is fun. Uh, so John, since uh, our last episode, has there been anything you've been into? Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's two things I want to highlight. One thing is a podcast that actually Hung put me on to. It's called Mom and Dad Are Fighting, and it's on it's through the Slate series of podcasts. Oh, I like Slate. Slate has good, some good pods. Yeah, and I, yeah, they do some a bunch of pop culture ones and some tech ones, but th- this one in particular, it's as, as it stands now. There's three slate content like this editors other writers and then there's a freelance writer um who happens to be from oakland um not all of them but the person that's a freelance and so they essentially what they do is just their format is talking about failures or successes in their parenting for that week um okay and then they answer one or two questions from Facebook, email, or phone calls. And then they do a recommendation of something to do with the kids, whether it's a book or an activity, a game, a TV show, a movie, stuff like that. So it's definitely in, in, our, in the wheelhouse of things that we would like to discuss. And for Hung and I, um, it's been... She started listening to it last week, and I started listening to it last week, too. And then we were actually listening to a bunch of the episodes on our way down and up from L.A. this weekend. Uh-huh. I like it a lot because uh, they stay on brand, and they're also um, – they don't take themselves too seriously. Sometimes people are asking very tough questions. Um, they, they provide answers from their perspectives, not as experts, but just as, you know, parents. <laughs> of sounds, different age that sounds kids. pretty cool yeah and they're willing to 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 be corrected and they're willing to be to be challenged on things that they say and in one particular moment uh they were all they're also willing to apologize for unintended hurt feelings but also not back down from what they said um, which i appreciate too huh the episodes are usually 45 minutes long so they they kind of fly by especially since they're talking about parenting i think there's a lot of things you could kind of just reflect on uh two of them have teenagers or one of them has a six-year-old and a three-year-old so 
I can't relate to a lot of it yet, right. but I could only imagine, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's on, it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher and it's on Google play. I'm not sure where else it, it would be. Cause that's where I would listen to it. And then the other thing is really quickly is just kind of a shout out. Uh, there's a person on Twitter that I started following recently again, who kind of, um, my attention to him although i think i've seen his tweets from other places his name's matthew a cherry he's at matthew a cherry he's a creator and um he just posted his kickstarter project that he's working on called hair love it's an animated short film and it's essentially about an african-american father trying to do his daughter's hair for the first time cool and so it just launched, yeah, three days ago because there's 27 days left. The goal is 75,000. They're about, they're just under 40,000. So a little bit, I'm less than halfway there in three days, which is pretty good. Um, it's just really exciting to me because then it's a, a, another representation of dads, especially the ones that we don't necessarily see in um, stories. And it looks like it's going to be really cute. So I just wanted to plug that because I backed it. Um, Dope. And I'll we'll we'll link it up too on the. I wish I might I might have already, but we'll link it up on on Twitter and Facebook. Cool. So what? Those are the things I've been particularly wanted to highlight. What about you? Um, well, um, it's we're right in the middle of uh, Thrones premiere week, so that's taking up a lot of my consumption thrones with mm-hmm. thrones related stuff but i have to tell you about my new favorite competition tv show mm-hmm. that i just mm, found i think i found out about it or i started watching it over the uh i think the 4th of july weekend okay um and it doesn't is, have johnny bananas involved no it is <laughs> called Forged in Fire on History, and it's basically huh. a competition show where bladesmiths make knives and swords. Mm-hmm. It is off the hizzy, dude. So yeah, house. <laughs> so you're familiar with like the chopped format yes yes four chefs come in there's a first round and one person gets eliminated then another person gets eliminated but so the idea here is that there are four bladesmiths that come in and they are given a challenge to basically make a some sort of edged weapon right Mm. so the first three hours all four people basically have to take some sort of metal, forge it into the shape of a blade. And then um, Mm -hmm. there are three judges that check out the craftsmanship of it. One person Mm -hmm. gets eliminated. And then the remaining three get to basically finish another three hours to finish it. So that is sharpening the blade, putting a little handle on it, make it nice and pretty. Um, and no. then after that, these three contestants 
their knives or their blades are put through a series of tests uh, to see sharpness, um, strength, whatever. And then uh, one person gets eliminated. And then the final two get to create a some sort of edged weapon in history and make it and they're given five days to make it in their home at home and then they come back and then they do like more tests and they decide a winner but it huh. is tight it's so <laughs> freaking cool man um you know it's like seeing like the the the, the blacksmithing and yeah fire stuff and yeah there's like there's like a forge and people are like like you see like legit anvils that people are using Uh, you know not just you know in roadrunner cartoons or whatever like people are hammering it out and they're using power tools and everything's like hella hot and there's been a few episodes where like people are it's so intense and it's so hot in there people will will quit because they're exhausted they're dehydrated they're you know, right. this one dude like burned his hand and it's got like blistering all over. It's nasty. Shoot. Um, because it's timed so that they they don't have the time to, yeah, to pace lot. themselves. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to yeah. have your blade in a certain way. And some of these people, you know, they're, they're obviously like skilled craftsmen. Um, but some of them are less experienced. Sometimes they get a challenge where they've never made that kind of blade or they've never worked with that kind of metal before metal yeah or steel or whatever whatever they're right um and it's dope man i think there's all there's something about watching skilled craftsmen like Mm -hmm. do their work right and yeah it's the same thing when i use i don't know if you ever watched like monster garage on discovery years ago um Mm -hmm. I, i didn't but i know what it is yeah so you know, it's the same type of thing where, like, you get to make really cool shit with your own hands. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, dude, it's it's really cool. Um, and and as <laughs> as someone who gets really like excited about different hobbies that I never follow through on, it's like, oh man what would it cost to become a bladesmith or where can I take a class <laughs> on bladesmithing? You know? Yeah. You know, so that's kind of what I'm into these days. And I just had to squeeze in one this episode before we started recording today. Um, so yeah. So Thrones this week, Forged in Fire. That's what I'm into the last couple of weeks. dad moments do you have any so my dad moment came from this is the first time i had to shop for a hotel or a a place to board up the family uh for a short weekend trip so we decided to go to la particularly pasadena um, to support one of our friends um and their family for a celebration of life for her dad who um passed away a few weeks ago gotcha and so initially we're gonna stay with our friend t but because they live on the other side of la um 
we thought we might as well just get a hotel so we could stay closer and kind of made a better idea because it became a better idea because we didn't know that was going to be like 105 plus that that weekend especially that saturday right oh god yeah so we decided we're going to do a hotel so i'd been shopping for a few days in a row the different deals and i almost pulled the trigger a few times on some of the Priceline and hotwire uh mystery deals for some hotels in pasadena that were like 2.5 stars that were motels and relatively uh well reviewed Mm -hmm. you can kind of guess which ones are in those forums to kind of guess which ones they are right um but then i was i i balked at a lot of it because i'm like i i don't like staying at dirty hotels but you know if they're well reviewed usually they'll be fine for myself and especially since we're only at the hotels just to sleep right right but the equation gets a lot more complicated with the baby Mm -hmm. because i don't want to be in a dirty there might be 99 clean rooms and there might be one kind of weird old dingy room be completely smoke free mm-hmm. and like and then we we're arriving after midnight and i'm like i don't want to i don't want i don't want that room i don't want uh, malcolm in that room so it stopping for a hotel a lot more difficult <laughs> yeah there's a lot of times i wanted to hit the deal then just some other deals and all that stuff and um but i just couldn't like i didn't i was worried about finding parking when you got there that night i was worried about cleanliness um and all that stuff so these are the things i wouldn't really trip about when it was just hung in me because you know we could take care of ourselves right yeah for sure in a relatively clean hotel room and a clean bathroom it's pretty much all we really care for but it obviously changes so i was actually looking at airbnb too and it's one of those things where I would prefer to have our own full space because the way that Malcolm sleeps now is that usually he'll go to sleep pretty quickly at, but if he wakes up in the middle of the night or in the morning, we still let him kind of cry for 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the time. Cause yeah. usually he'll go back to sleep. Right. Right. Um, Cause he's just, he's not hungry. He's not like, doesn't need a diaper change he just is awake and trying to figure out what to do and go back to sleep but if we were renting a airbnb where we were just renting a room or uh a separate entrance to the same building we'd be we'd be interrupting or potentially bothering some people and then i was looking at some of the not reviews but the descriptions of airbnb postings where it's like oh it's not suitable for people it's it's not suitable for kids zero to two to zero and most of them are like that i'm like well (laughs) maybe we don't want to do an airbnb either so and before it was easier for us to do that too yeah for sure so it's pretty much that that's all it's it's just a another one of my dad moments where it's just a new experience for me because it's it's different with the baby around so that was it i ended up getting a kind of a blind deal with Hotwire, but I was pretty sure I knew which ones were going to be the the options for the hotels. Um, 
and it turned out well. And then we were able to have a little pool, um, or go to the pool for a little bit with him for the first time. And, um, our friend T and, um, her husband and her, um, son came through and had a little pool playtime. Beat the heat. Yeah. Cause we, 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 were, we went, we jumped in the pool at 10 30. Cause we we're like, we're not going to be here at 12. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You'll be in yeah. air conditioning at 12. Yep. Oh, so, um, so from my dad moment, um, not really a realization or anything like that. So we ended up getting a, a Sonos play, a wireless speaker thing over this mm, weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right. um, you know, we put it in our living room and Ginny has been really into listening to music over the last maybe month and a half or so. You know, so much so that like I made her a little Spotify playlist of all the songs that she likes, um, that she found on YouTube, and you know it's like super poppy stuff like Taylor Swift, "Shake It Off," and Bruno Mars, and Justin Timberlake, with them and like Megan Trainor or whatever. So there's like it started with like seven songs. So I taught her how to use the app so that she can listen to it. And it's a lot better than just having the TV on playing something, you know, it's, right. it's nice to actually hear music and not, and have the kids engaged with that instead of a screen. Right. Even though she's turning right, on right. using the iPad or whatever. Um, so that's nice, except it's, she only wants to listen to her Ginny's jams playlist. Um, yeah of course that's why she put the playlist together yeah um, so we've been able to add a couple of more songs um, so it's not just seven there's like 11 now mm-hmm. uh, alright that's so, some variety getting there and then it was funny because I was like I turned it on today to listen to a playlist that I had and I and then I called it daddy's jams and then she's mm-hmm. like She's like, can we change it? Every like, a song came on, like Rilo Kylie or something, you know. She's like, can we change it? What song is this? Can we change it? It's too slow. Can you play something faster? And I'm like, Ugh. so yeah, mm-hmm. you know. She stole my birthday because she was born two days before me, and now she's stealing all the wireless oh, speaker. speaker. Yeah. Yes. All the wireless speaker time, yeah. That's what they do. All right, so once again, you've been listening to Pop Culture. I just want to thank everyone who have been listening and subscribing. Mm-hmm. And, um, hey, shout out to Tess for listening to the first episode. Yeah, she actually said yesterday that i think she's listened to maybe three okay maybe two now <laughs> and, and then she was like yeah i can't wait till you have willie on and i was like oh yeah so we have to make that a reality so that's something on the yeah well, maybe it'll have to be a live pod we should, we should yeah but that's that might even be harder 
it, it's tough when we start recording at like 11 p.m. and then end at right 1:30 a.m. Um, okay, and don't forget you can catch us on most of the social media platforms, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, at Pop Culture Pod on Twitter and on Facebook. Just do a search Pop Culture Podcast. Throw us a like if you haven't already. And we are gearing up for an upcoming episode where we're going to talk in depth about dad revenge films. So Taken 1, 2, and 3 would definitely be included as some of those. Mm-hmm. Um, so hit us up on Facebook and let us know your favorite dad revenge movies. Uh, but until then... This is Anton. This is John. And we're going to sign off. Thanks again. Yep. Thank you.